If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the first time I ever went, huh, what do I want to do? For no other reason than be happy. It was very refreshing to at 24, 25 to be able to go, okay, that's a cool idea. But I was also really annoyed. Why had no one ever told me to do that before? Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. In case of an emergency, oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. Please put yours on first before helping others. If you've never flown on an airplane before, these are the exact same words that are used by flight attendants from all over the world uh, for safety requirements. These are the exact same words which have inspired our next guest, Sebastian Terry, to find happiness and a fulfilling life. Inspired by the death of a close friend, Seb experienced a moment in his life where he asked himself a very simple question. Am I happy? The answer was no, and so he created a list of 100 things that he hoped would help him find happiness. 10 years later, and after dropping everything in his life to achieve the ultimate bucket list, number 23 on the list was delivering a baby, 67 is living on a deserted island for one week, 26 was helping a stranger. Sebastian's story has grown from an adventurous tale into a global philanthropic movement that engages a growing tribe of hundreds of thousands to set meaningful goals and achieve their biggest dreams and help others in need. 100 Things is now one of the best-selling books. It's an ESPN documentary and most recently a US-based reality TV show. Seb's growing platforms are creating impact all over the world. What's on your list is a question I will ask Seb when he's on the show, but without further ado, I'm very excited. Let's get him on. Welcome, Sebastian. Hi, how are you? Mate, I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. That's uh, good to hear, mate. And I just want to I want to kick off straight up just how we met. Obviously, we both kind of do similar work, I guess, in, in the space of trying to give back and help people. I only met you a few weeks ago, actually, in Venice. You invited me out to, to your little abode there out in Venice, a beautiful spot at a cafe. And obviously, I got to know who you were, a little bit more about what you're up to, but so that we can share it with guests. And I've unpacked a little bit of your story and I've spoken to you a couple of times now. I've had the, the pleasure of meeting with you at a couple of spots. And I just want to find out and we can re- rewind a bit back to when this all started and your journey on, on this mission started. And it all began from what I'm understanding and what you've told me around the question, are you happy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd never really thought about the question before and I was just kind of going through the path that a lot of us, especially in Australia, go down, you know, which is 
you don't really think for yourself. You just sort of you, you get educated, which is great, by the way. Further education, and then you know, I was, you know, I'd come out of university, and I was just, you know, trying to find what it was that would be my future career, where I'd be able to get money and afford a house and a family down the line. And anyway, in amongst all that, I just guess I, I, a few things happened that just changed the way I thought about everything. One was I got my degree, and I remember just thinking, oh, I'm really, like, I don't feel like that's really filled a hole. I don't feel like that's lit up the path as it was as I was told it would. So I had curiosity at that point. And then uh, I lost a friend of mine uh, who I'd gone to school with, Chris. And in that moment, when I found out the news that he had passed, something happened that, that did change the way I thought about everything. And it was, I remember the hypothetical in my, in, my, in my mind at that point was, if Chris could live his 24 years again, would he change anything, ultimately? Would he change what he did, how he was, etc.? And I could only think about it, but I don't think he would have changed anything. You know, I think he just lived a life that really reflected his values. And I thought, how amazing, you know. I think he was happy. I just think he was happy being himself. I thought, how special. I then turned that question on myself and I thought, well, if today was my last day, I look back at everything I'd done, would I change anything? Or am I happy? And I just never looked at my life like that. And I just realized pretty much instantly that I'd change everything. I had no idea who I was. I had no, I had no idea about anything. I didn't know what my values were. I didn't know what lit me up inside. I didn't know what my purpose. I didn't know what I was super passionate about. I was unhappy and that was it. And I thought, well, that's not good. How do I change that? You know, how do I become happy? In that moment, I just thought, well, the most important thing to me is being happy. It's all I want. I just want to be able to go to bed each night smiling and just knowing that I'm following my passions, whatever they might be. So yeah, I wrote down a list of things that I thought would make me smile more if I tried them. And then shortly after that, I dropped everything in my life, made no sense to anyone with a list of things, a hundred things that I thought would make me smile if I tried them. And, and that was that. And that was the beginning of the journey. So yeah, happiness was absolutely the kind of driving force for a, a list that I created and then everything that's happened since. And, you know, we're sort of 10 years down the track now. From what you've just explained, then this list sounds like you've just whipped it out of nowhere. It's been really easy. Where did it first get drawn down on? Like, what did you write that on? I literally wrote it on a piece of paper in yeah. Canada. And what were you doing at the time for work? Well, I was kind of, well at that point. I was um, I was 20, 24, 25 as well in uh, Canada. Not long out of university, this is. No, I finished university at like twenty two, and I went backpacking for like a year and a half. Went back to okay. Australia. Had an assortment of odd jobs, from teaching surfing to working in bars, like a whole array of weird things that I liked because I was always a bit abstract. And then a friend of mine was starting a an outdoor inflatable movie screen business in Canada. And he said, come and join me. So I did because I had nothing else to do. And I thought, well, that's kind of, I assume that's just what you do, right? You go and start a business or help someone or work. or So I flew to Canada. So that's kind of what I was doing. I was helping a mate in a very kind of roundabout way with his business and um, just working and, you know, hammering in pylons and erecting these big screens and being an outdoor movie person. It was kind of weird. I obviously wasn't so passionate about that, but that's just what, you know, I think a lot of us end up doing work that we're not that passionate about. So that's what I was doing. And then, yeah, middle of the night, I got this phone call from a friend, Jay, from Sydney, and he broke the news to me that Chris had passed away. And I, I don't know, I always, when I, whenever I'm in a, a bind or I'm confused or I really need to think, I get a piece of paper and just write. I just write. I don't know what or there's no process to it, but I just wrote. And I remember super vividly, I, I was kind of like doodling various bits and pieces. And then I just wrote happiness. I just wrote the word happiness. And to me, I, I, I just I think there was a sentence that was something like, the most important thing to me is happiness. How do I become happy? 
and then this idea of a, a list sort of popped up. Interestingly, uh, years before, a friend and I had kind of like toyed with the idea of like just creating a list of things and doing them. It, it was more for like just, I don't know, just like a creative kind of thought that just came and went. But this kind of, I don't know, it just changed, it reframed it for me. And so I just started jotting down things that I thought would be really cool. Because we all have them. We all have them. They're all in our minds. We just don't, we're not told to think about those things often. We're not told to think about ourselves. And that's something I remember doing. I was like, okay, what do I want to do? So I wrote, um, I always want to marry a stranger in Vegas. <laughs> Mate, I saw that one. That, that blew me off my chair when I read that one. And, and then what, she didn't turn up. <laughs> yeah, she stood me up and I ended up marrying, uh, yeah, I ended up marrying another stranger, basically. But I mean, it, it's an interesting thing because we all have these goals and dreams and just we don't think about them. We just don't, we're not told to. We're never told to. We're always do your work, do your homework earn money, do the things, just do the things that we're telling you, uh, you know, and whether it's society or our parents or, or whatever. And that's fine. There's a lot of good to that, of course. But this is the first time I ever went, huh, what do I want to do for no other reason than be happy? It was very refreshing to at 24, 25 to be able to go, okay, that's a cool idea. But I was also really annoyed. Why had no one ever told me to do that before? So anyway, um, yeah, a lot of weird things came down on this bit of paper. We all have in the recesses of our mind. We just don't often shine the light on them, you know? Why do you think that is? Why do you think a lot of people, especially at 24, 25, I mean, for the most part, most people spend their whole life trying to find their purpose and their passions in life. You know, you were fortunate enough at this age to use something dark that happened in your life as something that was really light fulfilled for not only you, but the people that you're helping along your journey as well. Why do you think that is the case for a lot of people? Well, it's definitely true that, you know, a lot of us wait for darker moments to consider lighter moments. You know, we all know someone who's been affected by a loss, as you have been, someone who's diagnosed with an illness, someone who's involved in a, a motor incident or whatever. And if those lucky uh, people are lucky enough to survive, they're the ones that then go, huh, right, what's really important to me? Why do we wait? Well, we don't have to is the answer because I'd speak like you do, speak to plenty of really cool people who have done amazing things. And I ask every one of them, why were you able to do that? What was the secret? And not one of them say because I'm special or because I'm brave or because I'm lucky. They just say I gave myself permission. And that for me is it. The secret to doing anything is giving yourself permission from starting a list, pursuing a list, to actioning something, to you know, doing something healthy for yourself or other people, it's permission. And that's what I gave myself at that moment. And I mean, why don't we give ourselves permission beforehand? We're just not encouraged to, you know, I think you can have conversations about generational trends, mm -hmm. the way our parents lived in, in, in their era, and, and certainly, a, you know, generation past them again, entirely different to now. They were dealing with world wars which affected everyone there was great depressions it was really the kind of mindset was more about security and safety and bricks and mortar and all those things and and, and that's great but now it's not that it, the world's completely changed and so to live by the same in the same way it, it doesn't make sense so our parents of course you know with love try and teach us what they can and that's great but there is room for wiggle room there but then i you know not to get too bogged down in all this but i think the educational system as well is quite outdated we're learning in the exact same way that we did you know centuries ago and it's just, that's not how we should be learning anymore we're not taught how to communicate we're not taught to identify our strengths and to use them for our greater vision and blah 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 blah, blah. so that's why i don't think I feel like it is a very complex thing and it'd be amazing if there was a quick fix overnight for people to just to get that aha moment, which both you and I actually have 
to be able to enact it into their own life so that they can live a happier, more fulfilled life. You know what I mean? But at 24, 25, when you decided to write your list and you started jotting down all these things that you would have loved to you know, to achieve, and these are the things that you thought, okay, Seb's sitting there writing, these are the things I think are going to make me happy so that I can live a fulfilled life. What did your family and, and friends say about this? What were their first perceptions on this when you opened up and shared with them what your journey was? I was crazy. I was, you know, no, no one really supported. Like particularly, I mean, I remember my mom, I told her that I had this list and she was kind of like, what are you doing? You've got a degree. Now you go into the city. She pointed to the city and she's like, go into the city and get a job and a career. And I remember just going, well, mum, if I try that, I'll be super unhappy, I think. I, wouldn't you rather that I would just try and figure out what actually makes me happy and then pursue that? And her response was, go and get a suit. And it was just super, super interesting. So I kind of let, not on bad terms with her, but we didn't agree. And I sort of got that from everyone. Even my best mate, Dave, at the time said, uh, what are you doing? That's so silly. You know, cause it was a couple of years after that I ended up actually leaving. But a few days before I left, he said, mate, I just want to tell you, this doesn't sit well with me. Like you, you should be doing different things at this point in your life. So bunkering down and, you know, accumulating money and blah, blah, blah. And I, yeah, I don't know. It was the easiest decision I ever made, by the way. So I had no support, really. I mean, friends would go, oh, that's kind of cool, but okay. But yeah, so I was sort of very alone and I was fine with that because I knew that it was just a personal thing. I had to try something different. And I also had this blueprint, this list that I was convinced would at least be a really healthy first step. I had no attachment to where it might go. I didn't care. There was no strategy. I just wanted to do things that genuinely excited me, like a kid, you know, like just <laughs> treating life with like childlike curiosity and, you know, like I'm seeing the sun out there now. I want to go run out there. Like what, you know, like that's how we should be living. I think the distinction between personal and professional, there's no different. Like everything we do from the moment we wake up to whatever it is we do in the day to the moment we go to sleep should be purpose-driven. Mate, I absolutely agree with you. I'm someone who's quite aware with what I'm doing and what I'm not doing and what I, what I should be doing. And sometimes I feel like a lot of what I do is purpose-driven. It feels fulfilling. But then sometimes I get caught in that rat race of life of, you know, being distracted and, you know, being caught up in certain things. And then I feel like I am, you know, almost not slipping down the rabbit hole, but I'm almost living in that grind again. And then I have to be aware to snap myself out of it so that I go, hey, is this making you happier? You're saying yes for a reason or should you be saying no to these things? Like, where do you draw the line with all that, especially in your life? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, well, I'm not perfect by any means. I mean, look, it's, no. it's 120 now today uh, in the afternoon in LA and I've done not much work. So I don't feel like I've achieved much progress today. So I'm not perfect. Let me start with that. But I think that's why if you have a true understanding of your values, I think your values are the bedrock, the fundamentals to, to meaningful goals, personal, professional, within the community, whatever. If you understand your values and you're truly passionate about this this purpose of achieving, they're your guidelines, if you will. You know when you used to go bowling, like at a ten pin bowling alley, and they they put like those inflatable sausages down the in the in the in that little alley down the sides, you wouldn't lose your ball in the in the, bu- in the bunkers. Yeah, so your your ball would be, it would always stay in line. It's kind of like that. Like I feel that if like your values, your goals, your vision, your purpose, your passions, if you understand them, they're the sausages, they're the fat sausages that allow your ball or you know, you as a person, as you kind of traverse through life to just stay in the alley because you're bound to wonder. You can't always be 100% as I've proven today. You can't, you know, I'm not 100% purpose-driven, like, right, you know, until this, I love this. I'm, I'm lit up. I really enjoy this because hopefully one person listens and it's great and it impacts them positively. 
How do you stay in the lines? How do you keep going with purpose? I understand what your values are. What are your values? Well, they change, right? So when I started, if you were to look at my list now, you'd probably go, oh, this is kind of, this is like a, a thrill seeker, an adrenaline junkie, someone who, you know, like a, a kid. Skydiving nerd, marrying in Vegas. Jumping out of a plane yeah. naked, walking yeah. across a country, learning a language, yeah. living on a deserted island. But that was back then, 10 years ago, my values were very much around freedom, liberation, adventure, breaking the shackles and try, you know, all that. Uh, very much self-exploratory. And then now I've done a fair few things that have just made me feel a little bit better or whole, let's say. I've learned who I am, I think, on a, on a deeper level. And so now my values have changed. It's not so much about the adrenaline anymore. It's much more about connection and adding value where I can. I think altruism, not to sound too cheesy. My behavior is more insular. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of storyline is that they must look after themselves to look after other people. You know when you get on a plane and they say, uh, an oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling, put yours on first, then help others. Well, that's kind of the trajectory of, of me. I looked after myself with my shallow self you know, indulgent list. And now I'm in a position of oh, true meaning and, and a, a greater good. And I'm still trying to work it all out, but kindness, you know. So what you're saying is people should feel okay and they should give themselves permission that over time their values will actually change according to where their life is progressing. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong. It's great to be selfish, by the way. If that is what you need at that time in your life, it's fantastic. If you've been selfish for a while, you know, you probably could lean this way to be more selfless. But I think one like powers the other. I'd love to be able to say, well, I've always just liked to help people. And that's not the case. And if 10 years ago, I sort of went off to just, you know, try and create social impact and connect and help people would have sounded great, but it wouldn't have been true to me. I just needed a personal thing. So I think values drive everything. And you know, you and I do a lot of keynote speaking for corporates. And, you know, it's the same thing for organizations. Like we're all the same. We're, we're people and together we're a community. And you know, from nine to five, a lot of us are within a working community and, you know, organizations, uh, no difference to, to individuals. We all need goals and visions. We all need to understand our values. And by doing that and working, you know, in alignment in one direction, you end up being a happy person on a really simple level or a well-functioning, profitable company, let's say. And then, you you know, you get to then help other people. So, you know, your clients, or your customers from an organizational point of view or your friends, family or whatever, on a personal point of view, I just think values are just so important to understand. And that can take some time to, I guess, unlock that and really find clarity in your values. And I think, every, like you said earlier, no one's perfect. And I think it's it's a journey for one's self to take and to give themselves permission to take that journey to, to truly feel what's important to them. And as you said earlier, I mean, there's times in life where, you know, where you might have to be selfish because you've been selfless for so long. And a perfect example is if you're looking after someone all the time and you're always putting other people before yourself, it, it, it sometimes does come at a cost. So maybe that time it's time to rein it back a little bit. Maybe say no a little bit more than you're saying yes. Check in with your self-care strategies and put yourself first for a while and then sort of rebalance that value wheel so that you can stay in that trajectory of that journey of your life. It's so important. Again, it's not selfish to give yourself permission to consider what's important. It's mm. crucial and anyone can do it. And I hear from like a lot of mums who once their kids leave home, they're like, oh, I don't know who I am anymore. I've just given everything to my kids, which is wonderful in one aspect, but it's also, you know, literally irresponsible for yourself, for your own well-being. So, I mean, that's one example. It happens with dads too, by the way. This is the beauty of it. It's so simple. Otherwise, I couldn't talk about it. It's a simple notion of looking after yourself, like mental, it's mental wellness. And, and of course, that's, you know, where we both kind of cross over, right? 
Totally, man. Totally. And with your list that I know that you started out with a hundred things and that's that's what you created and it went into a book. Talk to me around your list. I know that you've there's still a few on your list from what I what I understand that you haven't haven't knocked off yet. So to this date and ten years since this has started, around ten years you said, what's been your most liberating and fulfilling bucket list item that you've ticked off your list? Well again, it's super cheesy. Like the one that made the biggest impact on me was helping someone. Number 26 was help a stranger. By far, it had the most profound shift in, in me. It, it changed the trajectory of everything. So I'd done all these other things, which were great, by the way, but um, it was the first time I ever contributed to someone else other than myself. And I was able to help a, uh, a guy called Mark, who, who's now become a good friend. He's a quadriplegic. He got Lyme's disease. He got bitten by a tick, got Lyme's disease as an able-bodied person, and then ended up in a wheelchair. It's horrible. And uh, he can't speak, he can't move, it's horrible. Yeah, he wanted to complete a half marathon. So I, and he asked me and to help, so I pushed him. And it was a great, it, the single greatest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was because I got to connect with someone else and I got to contribute in a small way to helping someone else achieve something meaningful. It was like the higher, greater good. And it just changed everything for me. You know, I think ultimately my list, a massive aspect of it is connection, you know. We all want to feel connected. It's so important. I think the person I hadn't connected with initially was myself, and that's what a lot of the journey was. And, of course, helping other people, you connect directly with others. Outside of that, in terms of just, like, you know, very liberating and just to, you know, like, much more lighthearted, I remember posing nude at an art class in New York. It was terrifying, but it was, I think you used the word liberating. It was super liberating. Living on that deserted island for a week was incredible. I'm not, it was near, just off the coast of New Caledonia, like 55 kilometers, I think, off the coast. And there were sharks circling every, every night. It was, I mean, it was nuts. This is what I think. I think every time someone achieves something meaningful, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be making a sandwich. It doesn't matter. As long as it's meaningful, and I suppose the other important word is relevant, if every time someone achieves a relevant and meaningful goal, they feel invincible. Like that feeling, if anyone listening just thinks of the last thing that they did that was really important to them, it could be anything. And you think about that for a second and then you remember how you felt in that moment. That for me is living a purpose-driven lifestyle. And I feel like in those moments, you feel liberated, empowered, the master of the universe, you know, and, and that's how we should all be feeling. And you, you feel a sense of calmness, I think. And a, and a lot of clarity. Yeah. Especially in those moments. So what you're saying is, I mean, your, your list has got some really, really crazy experiences through to ones that, you know, are nice and it'd be amazing to try them once in your life. What you're saying is for anyone to have a list, you don't have to be someone that just goes and does these crazy, scary things. Your list, as long as it's fulfilling and it brings meaning or purpose into your life, you should never, ever compare that to somebody else's list because that's your list and that's your journey and that's that's what makes you tick and it's not about if it affects anyone else is that what you're saying absolutely absolutely for one person it's jumping out of a plane naked for someone else it's hugging their dad and everything else in between and outside of those parameters it's anything you know you think about what what's an 18 year old want to do compared to what an 88 year old's going to want to do they're very different uh, maybe maybe not i just posted a video on social media I, mean, I think he was 84. His bucket list item was to reverse his car f through his garage door, and he did it. Like, completely yeah. smashed the garage door. So, I mean, maybe they are similar. <laughs> but no, it could be anything. I did a workshop. The reason I say the hugging my dad one is I did a workshop with a bank, and uh, everyone shared their goals at the end of this workshop. 
and there was like skydiving and hiking Kilimanjaro. And then the GM, I think, of the bank stood up and said, I want to hug my dad and started crying. And then everyone else started crying. And it's beautiful. Goals are completely relative. We're all different. We should, should not, I mean, everyone says it nowadays, but we should not compare. Um, it's very hard with social media to do that, but you shouldn't compare. Whatever's important to you. And I, and I think the same is on the contrary as well. So if you're struggling and you feel that your issue's not as big as somebody else's and you don't want to speak up or share about it, you can't sit there and compare your struggle to someone else's because they're all very relative. Yeah. I mean, I see it on your shirt. You know, it ain't weak to speak. And, and, and I, again, this is about communication like with, with yourself. Like, don't ever be scared to have an internal conversation or a thought or explore that thought with someone else. I just feel like connection is key. And if you start kind of saying no to the things that really do light you up or that you're intrigued by, you end up, I mean, where does that leave you? And, and it, it's where where I was at 24. I just found myself at 24 having done various bits and pieces, but nothing that I wanted to do, just stuff that was thrown in front of me. What about if someone's listening right now and, and they haven't they haven't got to a stage where they've got a reactive moment in their life, similar to what you and I have both experienced with the loss of someone near and dear to our hearts that can make a difference in their own life so that they can start living happier or healthier or better off. What's your advice? Because I, I would love to unpack that and talk more about that so that people can listen and maybe take away some some more value-add stuff here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier, I think, you know, being able to nut down into your values and create a list of meaning from that. And like, you know, again, I do a lot of workshops around that and, and that makes sense for sure. So that would be the bigger answer, do something like that. But you can just really easily frame a question and just start thinking about it. You don't need to wait for a bad thing. If you're curious as to what that might be for you in terms of what your list, what your goals might be, here's a question. If nothing else mattered other than going to bed tonight with a smile on your face, what would you do today? I mean, that's pretty simple. What would you do today to ensure that you go to bed feeling good tonight? Like for that dude, it's driving a car fast. <laughs> you know, like it's, and it could be anything. Again, it's, it's, it interestingly is usually around connection, family, friends, but... For other people, it's not. Go for a walk. Turn your phone off for half an hour. And, I mean, that doesn't give you straight away the, you know, your bigger vision or doesn't create your purpose per se, but action is such an important thing. How do you start a list? Well, you start it. You get a piece of paper and you get a pen and write something down that is meaningful and conjures up emotion for you. If social media didn't exist, no one knew what anyone else did on this planet, and that's just a given. No one knew. You couldn't even share what you did. What would you do if money wasn't a thing? If you were the richest person in the world, if nothing was impossible, what would you do? You know, again, lots and lots of questions. What would you do for yourself? Is there someone in your life you could, you could do something for? Who is that person? What would you do? You can break it down into what's a physical activity that you think would make sense? What's a challenge? What's a spiritual thing you'd like to do? We're all so different, but there are many aspects that combine us a lot. Again, in, the, in these workshops, you think about like your pillars of, I always like to think of it like a wheel. If, if you think of a wheel and the spokes on the wheel and each one of those spokes is a pillar to your life. So essentially each spoke on this wheel is something that is really important to you as a pillar, something that you carry through your life. So career is one, health and fitness is another popular one, spirituality, education, faith for some people, adventure, humor, expression, creation, whatever those are. It's very different for everyone. But if you just take a moment now and just kind of think, huh, what are those pillars in my life? Great start. And then the next question is, once you've got your 
two or three or four or five or ten pillars. Which ones are you actively? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Giving attention to. So if health is on there and you're eating well and training every day or whatever, great, circle it. You've, you've got that one nailed at the moment. But which are the ones, more importantly, that you're not giving attention to? Health funnily enough, is the one that's usually not. We all want to be healthy, but we all, you know, I, I I had a chocolate croissant this morning. That's fine, but I've had a couple this week. You know, we're all kind of like not really doing everything we can be for all those folks. So it's just an interesting kind of thing. What are the pillars of your life? Which ones are you not giving attention to? If it's health, what could you do? What's a goal that would strengthen that spoke? Is it stop mm. eating chocolate croissants? That's a goal. Um, and that's how I think you get into it. It's a very, uh, it's a very clear, simple way to look at it. For sure, and it is simple. The whole premise is simple. Like, I don't know what the answer is to like, what's a successful life? What's the point of like, what's the? Per- I don't know. But feeling good surely is the only thing, not the only, but it should be the first thing that we consider. But what, yeah, and but what happens? I mean, and and I just want to throw out some, and not even so much as a devil's advocate, so to speak, but just just for people, because I've come across a lot of people in my life who. They'd love to work on, you know, some of their really important spokes, you know, whether it's health or fitness, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, whether it's career and and meaning and purpose and that sort of stuff. They understand that it needs work, right? But they haven't been able to get there because they've got other obligations in their life already that are in place, which is almost stopping them from sort of being flexible to go and trial these things and to pursue these things. And, And I get it. My brother, for example, is a single dad. He knows 
definitely deep down where he needs to focus some of his energies on so that he can create the life that he's set out to do for his son, you know. But I know there's certain restrictions that have, you know, stopped him from achieving and doing things, whether it be moving, whether it be going on a new career path because it's security and what happens if it doesn't work, then my young son might not be better off, you know what I mean? So where can we draw that line with people that might be feeling stuck? Yeah, what I should say from the outset is you don't have to be extreme. It's not one or the other. You don't have to create a list like I did, say goodbye to everything else and go and you know chase that. You don't have to do that. You can very much incorporate little bits and pieces, little by little into your life based on your priorities, what really is important. You, as a, you know, your brother as an example, I'm just guessing, but like, you know, looking at making sure that everything's set so his son has a great period of growing up and being educated and all that. Crucial, absolutely crucial. You can't turn your back on that, obviously. With that said, it's just as important potentially to go and do a few other things that are more personal to him at the same time. doesn't mean he has to go backpacking around Europe for a year, mm. but he can certainly incorporate little things that make him feel good enough so that he can give into his you know, son's kind of needs or, or mm. what, what have you. So I think it's balance. I really do. There's, you, know, you don't need to jump around the world and start a crazy list and da 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 but each goal that you have should be meaningful. It just should. And even if they're baby steps is basically what you're saying. So they could be really small movements, but as long as they're in a front-moving direction that are achieving things that are, that are meaningful to you, means it's likely to have a positive impact on the people around you is what you're saying. Completely. I think any, any form of progress is good. Like Again, with social media, we're led to believe that unless you have a million followers and you earn a million dollars a week, you're not good. Rubbish. Any form of progress is good. Because it's, it's just a long journey that we're on. It doesn't all have to happen today. And equally, here's another thing. This is kind of more like confronting. But we're entirely accountable for what we do in our lives. And we create the environments that we're in. If we don't like it, if, if whatever that environment is, and it's different for everyone, if we don't like an environment, change it. Like, it's as simple as that. And again, it's uh, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, whether it's a community thing, whether you're talking about where you're living or what you're doing or who you're interacting with. There were kind of like external environmental things that we have 100% choice of. I also hear from a lot of people like, well, my situation is this and this person thinks this and I'm having friction here at work because of this. Have a conversation, change something. You, we're, we're all as, as accountable as each other for what we're able to do in our lives. So although balance is key, you don't have to sprint off in a different direction. You know, conversely, sometimes you do have to do that. Or it is beneficial and you can do it. And just one, one, one more question on that topic because you've just mentioned a word there which I, I brought up recently in a conversation around balance. What happens if you're so in balance, you're not giving enough attention to the things that probably need more attention? You know what I mean? So, they, so essentially, right. if, if you're out of balance, you're, you're probably giving too much to something. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. What about if you need to give more to something so that for you're out of balance? Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. I, th- I think like I think as people, we, all, we do that a lot too. If we find progress in one area, we'll double down, triple down on that thing and we'll become very obsessed with that area of progress, okay. meaning that we forget about other things. And yeah. I think, again, it comes down to accountability. If you have the awareness, which is the first thing, that you're letting something else go, it's a choice. Okay, cool. What is that thing I think I need to be balancing more? And then go and do it. Because you can't, you know, if you've got, going back to your pillars, if you've got eight pillars or whatever, it's hard to have them all spinning perfectly at the same time. You do have to run around. So, again, the idea is that 
You can't, of course, put 100% of your energies perfectly distributed between everything. Sometimes you do have to, again, maybe using your brother as an example, maybe he's like so into looking after his son and doing all the things that he may, I'm making this up by the way, but he yeah, may yeah. feel that he is not doing anything of a personal nature or he may feel that he's not working as hard as he needs to be um, because he's got so much time here with his son. I'm, again, creating things that may, may not exist, probably don't. But as soon as you have that awareness, okay, I do need to put time there, I do need to put time and energy there, do it. Another question I get heaps is, it's usually in a, a Q&A, and someone will say, it's okay for you, I'm single, like, you know, I, I kind of do my own thing, I guess, it's okay for you because of those things, right? What about me? I can't get up and do whatever I want to do. So I, I hear it, that person feels that they're not pursuing or progressing in a direction that they'd like. Uh-huh. I'll then say, okay, great, thank you for sharing. What is it that you want to do? What, what's the thing that you want to do that you're... You know, you're sort of suggesting you're not able to. And they'll go, usually, oh, I have no idea. I'm just sort of saying that I can't. So often we'll also put obstacles and reasons why we can't achieve stuff before we even know what it is we want to achieve. So true. So it's the awareness. If you're aware of what you're not doing or what you'd like to be doing, that's the first thing. And then it's, yeah, you can reshuffle. You really can reshuffle. We've got so much time in a week. We have so much time in a week, whether you have kids or whether you don't have kids, you have the same amount of time. Obviously, kids require a lot of time, but we create the obligations around ourselves. And, you know, with that said, it's a beautiful thing. Some things require a lot more energy and time from us, of course, but it doesn't mean to say that you don't have room and wiggle room elsewhere. And again, the way I'm interpreting it is if you've got balance, I mean, that balance can go in and out of balance on a day-to-day basis. It might go in and out of balance every week. It might... It might be hourly, you know, it might be daily, it might be monthly, but everyone's interpretation of balance is unique to them and what is on their balancing wheel, so to speak. Absolutely. My example is this. So I've been working heaps over the last kind of like probably month, a couple of months really, really going deep, working a lot. Sort of let my health slide a little bit. Not so bad, but like I'm, you know, I'm just not doing, I'm surfing a lot, which is great, but I'm not, you know, I'm kind of like, I had a chocolate croissant this morning, which I keep bringing up. You want another one, don't you say? I actually do, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, so I'm, I'm aware that, right, work staff's fantastic, doing all these things, uh, all right, probably need to do a bit more health. So it's just like, what do I, it's a simple decision. Okay, stop eating croissants and go for a run. It's that simple. Yeah, definitely. And, and we're all held accountable, as you said, and I agree. I do agree, and I think we've all got responsibility to ourselves um, to be accountable. I think it's very important, and I feel if if anyone's listening that might be falling down the rabbit hole, definitely take uh, some of these tips and tricks into their own life and trial them out for themselves because I do believe that they could work, but it's worth trialing for sure. What's been your scariest, I guess, item on the list? Well, my list is kind of all about trying to get out of my comfort zone, so mm-hmm. everything pretty much evokes fear so a really immature one was you know i wanted to like kiss a celebrity and i remember the way in which it happened i was petrified i basically was at a conference speaking person speaking before me was sharon osborne and obviously that's kind of what happened i had to like put my hand up in the middle of a talk and say sharon i have a list of 100 things number 65 (laughs) is to kiss a celebrity i think it's 65 would you consider it and she said yes get your ass on stage is what she said and I just, I went into a different dimension. I was so oh, scared, wow. so scared. And then went down on stage and we, we ended up kissing. And Wow. How would you handle that situation, mate? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> so this is an, it's a good question. How did I handle it? I was 
petrified. Petrified. I was sweating. I was sweating bullets as I was walking down to the stage. I wasn't me. I was out of body. I mean, I, really, it was weird. And I just remember going, getting to the stage, finding myself on the stage. And then I thought in my head, internal conversation, I just need to get my face near her face because she's open to it. And then I'll just let her do that. So I kind of like just thought about it logistically. So I just sort of bent over and like walked like a duck over to her. And uh, she she then grabbed my face and, and stuck her tongue down my throat, bit my lip, bit, my lip was bleeding afterwards. So that's how I did it. Because the perception from the outside was, I got emails going, oh, you're fearless, amazing. Wow, only you could do that. Absolutely not true. Like it's what we, I have all the fears and apprehensions and, you know, feeling of anxiety or nerves. Doubt, self-doubt and all that sort of stuff that runs through your mind, overthinking. Yeah, what if she says no? What are the people around me going to do? Are they going to laugh? Are they going to bag me out? Are they going to belittle me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All those, and self-worth, am I worthy? Like, I don't, I don't, you know, all, all the things, we all have it. And, and I think just an important point is we all have it. It's just how we deal with it. It's just how we deal with it. And, and ultimately, it's very hard to break a cycle of not going out there to chase a goal. It's very hard to break a cycle of not thinking about yourself. All these things will lead you to a place where you will need to break through. How do you break through? You just do it. You just do it. You just take one stride in the direction and the rest happens. Yeah. How many more uh, items on the list? Well, I've got 28 on my original list. Yeah, on the 100? Yeah. The list is more like it def- you know, it appeals to me 10 years ago. So, yeah. the re- you know, the remaining things on there are, you know, like uh, catch a thief, do an Olympic ski jump, be in a Hollywood film. That might come true. You're in the right place. Yeah, you never know. And, like, they're all cool things, like, for sure. Uh, they still kind of intrigue me, but they're not my driving force anymore. I, yeah, it's a- You know, I'd much rather help, if I could, you get into a Hollywood film or anyone else do something else, you know, that for sure lights me up. Um, but, yeah, 28 unticked items from my list. And it, you've got a lifelong journey ahead of you, and I know that you're living life till its fullest, and that's your mantra with everything that you do for purpose and, and everything else that comes with it. That being said, you're also involved in, a, in another startup, to do good for the community called Kindsome. It's a, what's that, the peer-to-peer kindness platform matching up people who need kindness with people who want to give kindness. Is that correct? That's it. That's absolutely it. I mean, it's just kind of like an evolution of a hundred things. And, you know, I think the idea is when you've looked after yourself, you find yourself in a position where you can help others. And it, it happened with me, list, 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 things I did, did, did. And then I ended up helping Mark, um, you know, with the half marathon. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I found that to be amazing. Um, and I, and I got to help someone. And, uh, from that moment I started getting a lot of people approach me wanting help. I tried to help everyone I could, I couldn't help everyone, but well, how do I change this? So then I started getting a bunch of emails from other people saying, Hey, um, we see you help people. Do you know anyone that we can help? So I just started manually matchmaking people who needed help and people who wanted to help. And that was the, I guess like the first step into this idea that, huh, I could create an online dating site, but instead of dating, it's kindness. It's online kindness matchmaking. So that's the premise of, as you say, what is kindsome. I don't know if it's a startup. I don't know what it is, but it's it's live. And if there are people who need help, they go there and they say, I need help with this. Uh, or people nominate others that they know. Hey, my sister or whatever, my best friend. I just met a guy who's homeless and he just wants some food, whatever it is. Uh, and you populate on a map. Uh, and then if you just want to be kind and you're looking to do something good, you can go there and search your location and see who's around and, you know, contact them directly. It's amazing, man. It's such a good idea. 
I just think it's needed. I just think it's needed. And, and the stories are beautiful. There have been so many amazing things that have happened from dogs finding forever homes on the day they're meant to get put down in an overpopulated doggy pound to a war veteran in the US here recently just got relocated. At, I can't remember, from Utah to Colorado Springs. He just had no money. Him and his family needed to relocate. Just over like, the course of a week, someone donated a truck for the, to uh, borrow the, this guy's own truck two drivers who drove the whole way, people to be able to fly the, the drivers of the truck back, people to pack the truck and unpack it at the other end, all through kindness. So amazing things have happened. We're currently trying to find a kidney for someone who needs a kidney for a girl called Shana. I think the possibilities are endless. Peer-to-peer kindness, I just think it's where it's at. I just think that what I think happens in charity is that it becomes so organizational or organizationally driven that it takes away from the people. And it's hard sometimes to get in there and help, or it's even hard to go in there and be helped by a charity. Mm. So the idea is that you sort of reduce the barriers as much as you can, but whilst maintaining safety, obviously, and allow people to connect with each other directly. So it's sort of grassroots up. In and outside of organizations, I think that the possibilities are endless and that's it. That's kind of what I'm committed to. That's my, you know, if, if, if I was going to, this is another way to frame a question we spoke about earlier for anyone interested in really considering what they want to do. If you're going to die in a year, what would you do? If I was going to die in a year, I wouldn't change a thing right now. I'd be chatting to you. It's awesome. And I would then, uh, I'm about to get off this after the, uh, we're done. I'm going to work on a deck that I'm working on to on, on Kindsome. And yeah, I mean, that's that's it. That's it. That's what I care about. I love it, mate. I love the energy. I love the passion, uh, the commitment to the space of helping others and giving back to communities, I guess, to, to empower people to change their own life because it essentially is like a ripple effect as well. Yeah. Well, there is nothing else. It's just people. It's just your mind and other people's minds. And yeah, that's that's it. And when you skin everything back, you know, all the materialistic items and all the, the things that people overthink and get doubts and, and all that stuff that builds up in people's minds that stops a lot of people chasing their passions and dreams, I believe. Take all of that stuff back. We're all human beings. And that's the beauty of it, I guess. There's obviously been times in your own life, Seb, where you've struggled or, you know, maybe you've doubted yourself or maybe this whole journey that you're on now post, you know, your friend passing away when you were 24, 25 years of age. How have you handled that? And what did you do to handle those situations where you've struggled? I think, you know, community is a big one, right? I've got to say that my, there hasn't been too much jeopardy, generally speaking, with me. I've been very fortunate. I've committed to this and the, the journey's pretty much been, it's been very conducive to a lot of really lovely things. So I feel really good in myself. With that said, like everyone else, there are times when I'm feeling lonely. There are times when I have like imposter syndrome. There are times I don't feel worthy or clever enough or enough generally. The solutions to most of those, if not all of those, is connecting with, with people who are good and who are in your corner, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's a therapist, by the way, this is like such a big thing over here in the US. Everyone does it. Coming from Australia, no one does it. I've always been mm. intrigued. So I actually I've, I started seeing a therapist, which I, I know sounds to an Australian audience quite, oh my God, poor guy seeing a therapist. But it's such a proactive, productive thing to do to help sort through that. I mean, no, not that I've, I don't think I've ever actually said that. But again, forgetting whether it's a therapist or what the labels are, it's connection. It's just connecting with people who support and can help you filter through things. And that can be a friend. It can be a therapist. It could be anything. So that's often what I come back to. Moving to LA, I didn't really know anyone. And so I felt quite lonely for a while. And then with you know venturing into the business world, 
as I am now with Kindsome and 100 Things and all the, you know, the things that are on the horizon, getting into organizations and blah, blah, all these magnificent ideas. Oh, I needed to like ground myself. I needed to feel good in myself. So I thankfully now three years on have a good community. I've got good friends and we, you know, just uh, overlapping values, blah, blah, blah. So that's good. But then even for Kindsome, like I lack so many business I don't even know how to term it. I, so many business things that you need to, be, you know, to, to strategize, to prioritize, to think about finance. Like I did rubbish with all that. So again, I've just decided to bring on a business partner to help me. It's all about connection. This guy is going to come on board, and I just need the help. So I've had to go be vulnerable in a sense and be like, "Look, I can't do this alone. Would you mind helping me?" And he's super excited. And so again, together through connection, professional connection. Uh, we're going to try and advance that. So a very roundabout, long-winded way of saying whenever I face some kind of feeling of loneliness or I don't feel very empowered or I want to do something but I can't do it and I feel useless, it's about connection. Not being afraid of asking for help because I think at the end of the day, like you just said it perfectly then, you know, you want to scale that your, your operations there so that you can help more people and enact more change. So in order to do that, you need to scale it. So for you to do that, not just on your own because you probably wouldn't be able to. You need to take a step back, be a little bit vulnerable and say, come on, guys, I'm going to welcome you in and then sort of grow it out that way because you're going to have strengths that this new person who's coming in is not going to have and they're going to have strengths that you don't have. And that's how you can collaborate. And I'm the same, mate. I feel with all walks of life, whether it's seeing a therapist, going to a personal trainer or hanging out with people on the weekend, connection is the most, one of the single most important things that we must take advantage of and, and find in our life as a priority. Completely. Um, I was watching a talk of yours the other day, actually, and, uh, and you said it, something about, I can't remember exactly what you said, but I think it was in relation to corporates, the most important asset of people, your people. I think you said something like that. And I, I agree. It really is. And I think just one thing I'd love to add is there's a thing around asking for help that we don't like doing it. We don't want to say, hey, I need help over here. It's, it's, it's kind of like very un-Australian almost, you know. And just generally anywhere in the world, it's a, we see it as a sign of weakness. And, and it's not. It, it's incredibly brave to say, right, I love myself enough to, to ask for help because this thing, whatever it is, is important enough. And when you do that, when someone asks for help, in my opinion, they create an opportunity that was never there before. They create an opportunity for someone else to connect with them. And so this person over here connects with them, helps them achieve whatever, but they've also allowed connection. So it's like a win-win. It's a win-win. And, and that's the whole thing with asking for help. It's not weak. It's brave. It's important. It's beautiful. Creating opportunities for other people to be good because un Fundamentally, that's why we're here, to connect. And it's a growth mindset. It's the same thing you do if your business, for example, let's just say it is struggling or someone's business is struggling. They reach out to a consultant, for example, for help or they'll speak to their accountant or their advisor to come in and have a look at the books to see what they can tighten up, to see what they can let go of. And that's asking for help so that the business can thrive. We've got to start treating our minds the same way, if not better, because it's more important. And if we look at it from the from the inside out, it's only going to positively affect all other areas of our life, family, relationships, career, all that sort of great stuff. Oh, I couldn't agree more. We I, Someone said to me recently, like, you, you know, we spend money to go to a gym or whatever and, you know, exercise our, our muscles and our physical selves. But everything emanates from, like, your mind, everything. And so why on earth would you not allow someone? Why would you not be desperate to find someone to help you, like, just position things and frame things and understand how this works so that this can be as powerful and potent as possible, you know? It's just, it's a no-brainer for me. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And that's why uh, you guys are all listening to the It Ain't Week to Speak podcast right now with Sebastian Terry. Uh, Seb, where can everyone find you? Go to at Seb 100 things, 100 things uh, for my 100 things stuff. The Kindsum stuff is K-I-N-D-S-U-M on social media. And, you know, the website's kindsum.com, 100things.com.au. Yeah, get in touch. I'll get some details and everything will be put in the show notes, guys, so that you guys can follow Seb's journey, like his things, engage, reach out, ask for help. You've heard it from the man himself. Um, It's been great chatting with you, mate. Uh, If you've got any information, I'll disperse it along the Facebook group too so that people can connect directly as well. I want to ask one last thing before we close and before we wrap up the show. What's one piece of advice you can give to someone right now who's listening that might be a bit lost? Stop everything. Immediately find a bit of paper and a pen and just write one thing that is important to you, one goal that would be important to you and commit to doing it. That's it. Commit to doing it. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. Thanks so much. You're the man. I love your work. I love you doing a podcast. This is great. I really hope this is helpful for even just one person. Absolutely, mate. It will be, no doubt. I cannot wait to share this episode with our listeners. It's going to be an absolute value add for a lot of people in all walks of life. Thank you very much, Seb, for your time. Uh, I'm very, very honored and grateful to have met you in, in such a short short space of time, but I'm, I'm very excited for whatever the future holds, man. Absolutely. Straight back at you, buddy. Um, thank you. Thank you, mate. Have a, have a lovely day and we shall speak soon. All right. Cheers. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.